It's the end of October, which means it's time for the news. But first, the old... Yes, let's have a quick look at what we were talking about at this time in previous years. Now, our time travel remote viewing device is unfortunately in the shop, so I suppose we'll just have to look at old episode notes on our internet-connected handheld touchscreen computers like a pair of Amish cavemen. Cave people. Well, well, yes. Anyway... Indeed. In October of 2014, I had the pleasure of being interviewed by Catherine Ryan of Radio New Zealand, and we took a look at Project Montauk. Yes, one of our earliest viewer requests, that one. We then took a judgmental squint at the pejorative use of the term conspiracy theory, and we also discussed Gamergate and Ebola, and struggled to see the difference between the two. Indeed. Now, by 2015, the shoe was on the other foot, and this time M was in the interviewer's chair, subjecting Joe Yuskinski, uh, Charles Pigton, and Kathy Olmsted to a thorough grilling slash amiable chat. Uh, in between interviews, we took our first look at the VW emissions scandal, and then we got classy with a bit of Shakespearean authorship conspiracies. Now, come 2016, my shoes were on the correct feet again, just in time to take another look at the downing of Flight MH17. Better known as that tragic Malaysian Airlines flight no, not that one, the other one. We then went on to look at conspiracy theories and feminism, and the whole WikiLeaks Julian Assange, Hillary Clinton schmozzle in the lead-up to the 2016 presidential election. Whatever happened with that? Ah, uh, no idea, can't have been that important. Uh, certainly no more important than the release of a new Dan Brown thriller, which Em read in October of 2017 and then told us about. The things I do for you people, I lost 10 IQ points. Yes, we also came over all false flaggy as we looked at Operation Embarrass and the Levon Affair. Finally, 2018 saw us gearing up for Halloween with some spooky tales of phantom cosmonauts, mysterious number stations and... The Catholic Church. Uh, we also looked into a rash of recent disappearances of notable figures, including Fan Bingbing, who eventually showed up alive and well, and Jamal Khashoggi, who didn't. But that was then, this is now, and now is... Time for... The... Conspira... News. Mate, that sound like a cow. News. 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 The podcast, the po the podcaster's guide to the conspiracy. It could work. I think I smell a spin-off. Cowcaster's guide to the cowspiracy. The cow cow is cow to the cow 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 cow. <laughs> now I sound like cow. a parrot. Yes. Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, brought to you today by Josh Addison and Dr. M. Denton. Hello and welcome to the Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. Uh, it's the end of October, only it's really not. We, we should have been recording this on uh, the usual Thursday, which was Halloween. We could have done a spooky episode with costumes and, and Joshua, it's Halloween and, in America. It is Halloween in America, as we record. But by the time... Actually... If I get this edited tonight, it'll be going out Halloween America time. Ooh. If I don't edit it until tomorrow morning, then everything is a lie. Yep. But let's pretend it's the end of October and not the start of November, and that way we're justified in going uh, having a, a news roundup for the Conspiracy News of October. Um, I don't think we have anything to announce before well, we... Well, people who are watching the podcast will see uh, that oh, yes, they things will. look different. Mm. We're broadcasting from the news station part of the set of the podcaster's guide mm. to the conspiracy we're trying a few things out uh you'll note that the microphone setup is completely different this week we are continuing to have sound related issues yes you even got a little bit electrocuted i did it was, mm. a, it was a bit of a spark in just my life tingle. just for a mm. few seconds mm. there and frankly i've never felt so alive mm. good so yes, uh, we'll see how this goes. We might stick with it. If it goes horribly, we'll just we'll we'll just say it's our new setup, and, and we'll then, just pretend that this episode never, never happened. Um, but I think that's all. So I think we should just blast straight into the news. With and there's a there's a new sting coming up. Oh, is but there? Not, well, is oh, oh later? Yeah, yes, yeah. not not but, right now. Yeah, the just, next sting you've heard before, but later on in the episode. <laughs> Making promises about, about, about exciting new sting. Yeah. Josh hasn't heard the sting, I heard the sting either. So 
But he does know Sting, the musician, quite well. Not not, not personally, obviously. You had three-hour tantric sex with the man. He does. Pff, everyone has. That's true. Is there anyone That's who hasn't? actually true. Mm. Anyway, on with the news. On with the news. Breaking, breaking, conspiracy theories in the news. So we, we, we actually we have a whole bunch of news here. A lot of it is stuff that we've already mentioned in um, in our our bonus patron episodes. So actually, that's all true. The first three items oh, we are do. Yes, new. no, no, we we have it's new the, stuff. The Trump stuff mm. is for patron listeners. Parts Mostly, of it will sound repetitive, yeah, although yeah. there are new bits sprinkled in. But no, we have new news. We have new news. We have old news, and news that's just right. We call it the Goldilocks news. Do we? No, we don't. I just made that up. Uh, what we're talking about again. first is the death, of course, of Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, otherwise known as that ISIS guy that Donald Trump killed. Personally, how, I how understand. Did the, what, was it the Washington Post talked about the austere religious scholar who died? Did ah oh, was was that I, I I only saw people on Twitter taking the piss out of that obituary, but I hadn't actually didn't know what they were talking about at the time. Yeah. Anyway, um, mm. so this guy is dead. He is. Donald Trump is lording it up like nothing on earth. And yet, to my mind, this is Osama Bin Laden 2.0. In what way? In that, A, people are claiming that Bahadi is not dead. Ah. People are claiming that his disposal at sea is suspicious, proving that he's not dead. Or he never existed in the first place, thus proving he can't be dead. Right, so what you're saying is there are conspiracy theories around the death of this person much as there were around the death of Osama bin Laden, which is good for yes. us because we're a podcast about conspiracy theories. So the first major conspiracy theory that comes to mind is the Mandela Effect conspiracy theory, which is people who are saying, hasn't he died before? Haven't we had reports about him dying in the past? Now, people are claiming, I'm sure I heard he died X year or five years ago or three months ago, etc., etc., which you had the same stories with the death of Osama bin Laden, uh, the death of Colonel Gaddafi, apparently the death and then death again of Nelson Mandela. This does not appear to be an le a legitimate multiverse theory here where people are getting information bleeding in from other dimensions. It just appears to be a case of that name sounds familiar. Why would I have heard? Oh, he must, I must have heard about a death notice. Well, he can't be dead now. Mm. Is it simply because we're talking about Western viewers to whom all, all sort of Middle Eastern type names there kind of sound a, the same? And also, uh, they, those people say they all look the same as well. well yes. So there's a little bit of racism going on Quite there, possibly. but also just selective attention. So people also... hear the name. They think they've heard it before and go, well, I must have heard it before because he was dead, mm. as opposed to they've just had a passing reference. Well, so there was there was almost the running gag in the fight against Al-Qaeda. With How many times did the number two person in Al-Qaeda get killed? By which I mean it wasn't the same person getting killed all the time, but any time someone would get killed, the next person would be number two, they'd get killed. And then people say, and, but didn't they kill the number mm. two three months ago? In case of no, uh, the way hierarchies and ranks work. Uh, once you you will eventually run out of number twos, mm. but whilst there are number twos there, there are a lot of them. I'd just like to point out we've both said the phrase number twos a lot. I know. <laughs> That's a little bit I rude. know. I was kind of leveraging that. Uh, so we've got conspiracy theories saying um, that he's not dead and that there's there's wacky stuff and the US is up to its usual bizarre tricks, um, but there are more. Uh, I, I, prosaic. I don't know if that's the right word. Ones around well, yes, exactly so how it happened. Well, I think I think we'll talk about the disposal of the body first. Okay. Yep. So there are the conspiracy theories that go, well, where's the body? If he's actually dead, where's the body? And these were the same conspiracy theories that came out when Osama bin Laden died, was killed, in that they disposed of the remains at sea, and they've done the same thing here. And people are going, well, that's a bit suspicious. How can you prove he was dead? Now, Trump has said they performed a test instantaneously at the site, which confirmed it was him. But without a body to show, it's a little bit hard to judge. And some people are going, that's a bit suspicious. Maybe there's more to the story. And that's where the, how did they find him? 
how did they get him, what really went on, conspiracy theories come out. Mm. And it's probably uh, worth pointing out that, that this is, again, the same as what happened with Bernard. And there were all the stories about how they kind of identified his body by his height. And since they didn't have a ruler, they got a soldier who was supposedly the same height as him to lie down next to the body. See, I just like the idea slightly. that the Navy SEALs go, right, so we need somebody who's the same height as Osama bin Laden in our group. I mean, your shooting record is terrible, mm. but you are the right height. So you're co- and make sure you don't get shot because we need your body. If you, I mean, if you die, we're going to drag you with us. We need to compare your body to his. Mm. But anyway, returning to uh, ISIS now, Al Qaeda 2.0. Um, so what? What exactly are people saying? Because this came about just after Trump uh, pulled America out of. Uh, out of in the way of Turkey and the the Kurdish people, which has not worked out well for them, are people saying that he did that so that they'd have an excuse to go against ISIS, or are they saying that he went after this ISIS dude to take the heat off his stupid decision to pull troops out of see there's Syria? a there's a third option here, which seems to be the one which people in the military in the u s are saying, which was there was a long term plan to get this guy. And Trump's actions with regard to the Kurds, Syria, and Turkey basically meant they had to escalate the plan dramatically because they were relying on Kurdish intelligence, with America basically abandoning the Kurds. They were going to run out of that intelligence or find that that intelligence would suddenly go against them. So they had to move very quickly and perform the operation as soon as possible. So they, this wasn't Trump trying to deflect from a disastrous decision. This was a case of military chiefs going, if we don't do this now, we're not going to be able to do it at all because the president has imperiled this particular operation. Mm. And so I think that's kind of where it stands at the moment, isn't it? We haven't possibly haven't had time for the really juicy conspiracy theories to develop around this one, but there's are enough similarities, I suppose, with, with the Osama bin Laden case that people can trot out the old favourites with a different name on them. Well, yes, and who knows, in a few weeks' time, this may be big news, or in a few weeks' time, we may be talking about an impeachment jury. Uh, but we'll get on we'll to get that We'll get on to that later. Uh, first, let's talk about Facebook. Do we have to? Uh, well, there, it's in the notes, which oh. you wrote... So I assume we do. Fine. So Facebook is in a bit of a spot of bother at the moment when it comes to political ads, Mm. which has actually been exacerbated by Twitter now saying they're just not going to run political ads at all, which may or may not be a good thing. As people have pointed out, Twitter banning political ads actually does aid and abet the powerful because you can't run ads against establishment figures. And also you get a kind of hard line to draw as to what is a political ad versus what is simply telling people about achievements you've done and what counts as criticizing those achievements without being a political ad. Mm. It's going to get very messy very quickly. But Facebook is kind of in trouble because Facebook has said that they won't fact check political ads, except it turns out they will. They will? Yes, so this is a uh, it's kind of a weird st- story here. So Elizabeth Wa- Warren last week ran an ad on Facebook saying that Lindsey Graham supports the Green New Deal. And she ran this ad on Facebook not to mislead voters that Lindsey Graham, a Republican who opposes the Green New Deal, actually supports it. She ran this ad to point out that Facebook has said they will not do any fact-checking of political ads. Yes, she did make a point of saying, I put this ad out here. Yeah, it's, it's it is ad. false. Yeah. She didn't, you know, she never claimed that what she was that, that, that she was trying to mislead, but said, look, I put up this blatantly false ad, what are you gonna do about it? And people are asking, what is Facebook going to do about this? Because this does allow for, as we're seeing at the moment, the Republicans and Trump in particular running attack ads against, say, presidential candidate Joe Biden, claiming that Hunter Biden, his son, is being investigated for fraud in the Ukraine when he's not. And people are concerned that this kind of skews the balance of power, especially given the way that Facebook ads are 
algorithmic. They're not just an open slather advertising to everyone. They are carefully targeted, which means that they are the kind of ads that can be weaponized. Now, Facebook has said we will not engage in any fact-checking. So a candidate in California who's running for governor went, fine, I'm going to announce my candidacy for governor, and I'm going to run false ads about my candidates, and we'll see what Facebook will actually do. Now, Facebook have now said, oh, but we are going to check ads if someone admits they are lying up front. So we're only going to check ads where people say they are lying. We're not going to check ads to see whether someone is lying, which now means the problem is not whether you run fake ads, it's whether you're honest enough to admit that what you're saying is a lie. As long as you're willing to hide your intent, conspire against Facebook, then you can run false ads false mm. ads to your heart's content. It's all starting to sound a little bit like a logic puzzle. If you, if you have one ad that always tells the truth and one ad which is always lies, how, how do you know which door to go through? Uh, the left one. Oh, that's right then. Yeah, quite um, simple. Yes, because it, it does kind of say, okay, so you can't, you can't have an ad that contains lies if you tell the truth about the fact that it's lies. But if you lie about the fact that you're lying, then you're then lying fine. lies. Yeah. Fine. Yeah, Absolutely fine. Mm. And this is getting even worse to a large extent because Facebook is talking about having trusted sources. So, and this is disturbing, turns out that in the States, almost 80% of people get their news from Facebook. That's quite a lot. Especially since I... I mean, I don't use face, Facebook a lot. No. But I don't get many news stories in my Facebook feed. No. Which means if I were relying on Facebook for news, I'd be really impoverished. Mm. Really, really impoverished. Anyway, Facebook has a policy of working with trusted sites. One of the sites they are now claiming is trusted is Breitbart.com. Who we certainly don't trust. No, they are the kind of people who put theory before evidence. Now, people at Facebook were questioned about this. They said, oh, no, we're not going to succumb to ideology here. They're a trusted site. And people have pointed out, but the problem is you're kind of making the claim that they're a trusted site, which is putting their ideology on par with, say, news sites that work with evidence first, politics later, that's an ideological decision. And wasn't it Breitbart, or am I thinking of a different site that people have seen as, as um, users' networks of, of Facebook pages to vastly inflate their their reach in contravention of Facebook's supposed policies? But they well, there do is it anyway that too. But apparently, that's going to, to be ignored as well. Yeah. Yeah. So there's all that dodginess. I assume we've all seen the the clips of him being grilled in Congress and coming across. Not well, although I'm told apparently the constant congressperson, congresswoman, congressman that he does before the start of every thing was to try and run out the clock a bit because they had a, a limited amount of time. That seems to be the one one um, interviewing technique that he had been taught, but the rest of it... Uh, I did like did the, well, the post that was online pointing out that here's a still of Zuckerberg at Congress... And here's the Madame oh, Tussauds wax swords dummy. One. And the wax dummy looks a lot does more does look human. a lot more lively, yeah. It's very, very weird. That mm. man has seen a lot. Like vaccines, Joshua. <laughs> Tell me about Facebook and vaccines. Yep. Okay, so we've, we've had a bit more anti-vaxxer stuff. Um, so it was Idaho's Department of Health and Welfare. I've been to Idaho, just saying. I have not. Good you, Doctor Who fan fiction there. Did you get vaccinated while you were there? Yes, but I'm not allowed to talk about it because it's a disease that you're not allowed to know about. Okay. Um, Idaho's Department of Health and Welfare bought 14 ads to promote a statewide program providing free vaccinations for children, which Facebook removed. Mm. Because Meanwhile, at the same time, they didn't remove anti-vax ads, which they've said that they will remove because they won't tolerate anti-vaccine material on their social media platform. And this has made people go, hmm, Skeksis bad. Mm. So it's more of those algorithms, apparently, that supposedly because the pro-vaccine ads 
were referencing, were trying to sort of refute anti-vax conspiracy theories and therefore got flagged as anti-vax conspiracy theories, um, which is a problem that, that's been in YouTube as well, hasn't it? Yes, and in part the problem is if you're running an anti-vax ad, what you try to do is not make your ad look like an anti-vax ad. So you count your language, you talk about things very carefully. When you're running a pro-vaccine ad, which is countering anti-vax information, then you often engage in the recitation of anti-vax claims to debate them, which means that the AI which is looking at your ad then claims your ad is an anti-vax ad, and then it cancels it. Mm. Yeah, so it's all... I mean, it, it all seems to come down to the fact that... that significant stuff is happening under the control of, of algorithms. I was reading a thing today about uh, sort of Mark Zuckerberg and basically, I mean, there was a little bit of the whole sort of, I don't know, anti-capitalist, anti-authoritarian, why the hell do we listen to this guy? All, all he is is a dude who figured out a way to make a lot of money off of a website. What does he know about how how democracy should function? And and But, but it was basically sort of saying, you know, Forget his input. You just need to make laws. With well, the business that we talked about the other week about that um, the the act in America, which meant that sites like Facebook are immune to libel laws, they're saying, well, just just get rid of that and make them take responsibility. Because the thing is, they can take down copyrighted stuff. You know, when there's copyright claims, which they could possibly be liable for, those go down. In Germany, where you're not allowed to have anything to do with Nazism, that they gets taken that. down. Yeah, so they, they could do it if they wanted to. We need to make them want to. And of course, what makes this particularly galling is that Facebook have, have promised to up their game in this regard and are not following through. No. So, I mean, in terms of the political ad stuff... I think, yeah, it's, it seems like they talk in terms of politics and then that gets tricky because one side, you know, wants to say, well, our, our ads should be fine, but their ads are horribly dishonest. And then the other side says exactly the same thing. And what people really seem to want is, well, it's about truth. Is it true or not? And the only way it seems to uh, to, 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 to screen these things, whether or not they're true, is to hire human beings and pay them human money to actually fact-check them. Which Google nor Facebook seem to want to do. No. Anyway, so enough of uh, Facebook and their anti-vax stuff. Um, let's talk about some anti-vax stuff. Excellent. All right. Mm. This is a lovely qui bono story. Now, where is bono at this particular point in time? I, I don't know. No, it could be anywhere, quite frankly. Check him on your GPS device. No, he's cut the, cut the ankle bracelet off again. We implanted in his neck. In his ankle bracelet's neck. I don't think you know how Bono's anatomy works. Anyway, so it turns out that some doctors might be giving vaccine exemptions because it pays rather well. Yes, funny that. I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't know this was a thing, but that, that you can get an exemption for I suppose, I suppose it does make sense because some people genu genuinely cannot yeah, have, so I mean, yeah, have there vaccines. Are, there are to... some pe people who have allergic reactions to vaccines or have suppressed immune systems, which means that giving them a vaccine which can cause a low-level fever is actually quite bad. Mm. And these people are the people who get legal exemptions in the US from vaccines in states which allow legal exemptions. And for good reason. These are the people who need to be protected by herd immunity because they're the ones who cannot get vaccinated. But it turns out that some doctors have spotted this, uh, particularly in San Diego, a Zanvlet, a San Diego-based doctor who single-handedly wrote at least a third of the area's vaccine exemptions and charged $180 for the evaluation and in some cases, never even examined the patients to see if they actually qualified for the exemption. They seem to go, you don't want to have an immunization? Give me some money and I'll make sure you don't. Mm. So yes, as you say, in, in terms of conspiracy theories, there's a benefit there. Money, money talks. Yeah, sometimes the qui bono analysis actually does pay out, mm. which is kind of how it's meant to work. Oh, yeah. Uh, so now, now another bit of another bit of um, 
uh, viewer slash listener feedback. Um, it was good old Captain Hapster, wasn't it? It was on indeed. Twitter. Thank you, sir, slash madam, slash other. I don't actually know what gender they identify as, but look, <laughs> they're a captain. I have to say is we salute we you. We salute you. Captain. That was a really dodgy salute. I don't even, isn't the Navy one? There's a thing about the Navy one. They go like that because they all had dirty palms or something. Some weird naval thing. Maybe You've got the dirty palms. One. Yeah, that's a completely different reason. Um, so, yes, on, on Twitter we were alerted to uh, so, so, some wacky happenings in Australia. Yeah. Uh, there's a delightful twist in this tale mm-hmm. which comes right at the end. So a person in Australia by the name of Angus Taylor accuse Sydney's Lord Mayor, because Sydney is one of those big cities, so mm-hmm. they get a mega mayor or Lord Mayor in the British system. Uh, his name is Clo- Clovermore, of driving up carbon emissions by spending 15 million Australian dollars on travel in the financial year 2017 to 2018. And this was backed up by a council document that was then sent to, of all places, the British newspaper, the Daily Telegraph. Now, this was taken to be a problem for multiple reasons. A, that's a lot of money to be spending on travel. And B, the Lord Mayor had earlier declared a climate emergency and the need for Sydney to act upon that. So this travel cost looked ever so slightly hypocritical. Mm, yes, no, not a good look for the uh, for the Lord Mayor, or at least it wouldn't have been a good look for the Lord Mayor if it had turned out to be true. Um, it turns out that this damning document that uh, that showed this $15 million figure for travel um, had been faked. Yes, so the actual annual report for the 2017 to 2018 year indicates that councillors spent $229,000 on travel, which was actually under the budgeted allocation of 300000 Australian dollars. Now, Josh, I'm not a number wang expert, but I do believe that 300000 is smaller than $15 million. That is correct. The education system hasn't failed you in this case. Now, I don't know by what factor. I think it's a factor of pi. Several. Factor of several. Se- of several pies. Several pies, yep. Uh, now, what made the story particularly interesting is that no one is accusing Taylor of doctoring the document. They don't know where the doctored document came from, but they're fairly sure that Angus Taylor was not the one who supplied the Daily Telegraph with a doctored document because Angus Taylor is not just some schmo. Angus Taylor is the Energy and Emissions Reduction Minister of the Government of Australia. Right. Is there a, I, I don't know how the politics of it works. Is, is, is he sort of a, a left-wing guy and the Lord Mayor is a right-wing sort of guy or vice versa? Joshua, Australia opinions? is ruled by right-wing reptiles of both sides. The government is, they're called the Liberals, actually they're called the Coalition. Mm. They are right-wing. Right. So... So does that mean that what I'm asking is, is there a difference, though? Is the mayor then, is, is he then a lefty mayor? Well, I mean, he's a Labour mayor, but uh, Labour in Australia basically agrees with the government on all well, substantive issues anyway. So they're kind of right wing as well. Mm. This is right wing in an Australasian sense. Uh, our right wing does not reflect the right wing in Europe or the US. Why does your computer keep making noise at us? Is it angry? Have you angered the computer? It, it's just got a mind of its own. Oh, fair enough. Um, now, wasn't there? I don't think I don't think we've got it down here. Wasn't wasn't there something? What the, the doctoring of the document was was quite cartoonishly badly done as well, wasn't it? They'd misspelt something, or there, there was something. Yeah, there were. Quite, I mean, I mean, this is a case of. Well, I mean, when you're inflating numbers by that degree, I think you basically just give up or hope. Mm. Yes, the doctoring itself was not particularly good, which is why. Council went, no, that's quite clearly not what's meant to be in the documents. I think they put things in the wrong columns, the formatting was wrong, the fonts were wrong. Mm. But no, it turns out the document is doctored. But in typical Australian fashion, the minister has not resiled from his criticism, even though it turns out that 
They spent only two hundred and twenty nine thousand rather than fifteen million. Fifteen million. Mm. The ministers still said they probably shouldn't have gone to that climate change uh, expo over in Europe anyway. So the minister is not going to resile from his criticism, even though he's off by several factors of pie. He sure is. Um, now. Now we get on to the stuff we've talked about before. Should we just do it, just do it really quick? Indeed. Shall I time you? Or you can time me. Um, so Hillary Clinton, we've talked about this in our bonus episodes. Hillary Clinton's got uh, in, in a little bit of trouble in suggesting that um, one of the Democratic candidates for president at the moment is actually uh, working for the Russian government to try and split the vote and, and sabotage it. And it's been suggested that uh, Tulsi Gabbard, who's a congressperson? I believe I so. I have no um, idea. People, people have hinted that that, that this could be she, uh, she could be the candidate that Clinton is talking about, um, and everybody said it's all just a bit of a bad look, especially about how she kind of said similar things about Jill Stein in the last election, which did just kind of come across a little bit as, as a little bit sort of born to rulish, and and the whole idea at the time that it was kind of Hillary's turn to get a shot at the presidency, and anyone getting in her way was obviously some sort of a plant or a double agent or who knows what. Indeed. Now, other news that we covered in the bonus episode is a little bit of the old Alex Jones. Now, Alex Jones, you might remember, is the really, really angry person who's always going on about vitamin deficiency and gay frogs. Turns out that doing that has made the back of my throat ever so slightly constrict, but I'll be back in time for mm. this. So Ron Jacobson, who worked at InfoWars between 2004 and 2017 in video production, has testified in a Sandy Hook trial that he warned staff that they shouldn't be telling open lies about what happened to the parents of Sandy Hook with respect to their children who died, only to be met with laughter and ridicule. So basically, Jacobson pointed out that their reliance on a particular source, Wolfgang Halberg, was not a good idea, given they had one source for the claim that Sandy Hook was fake, and this particular source was taken to be unreliable in the first place. He pointed this out, was laughed at, and eventually forced out of Infowars as a result. Mm. So it's not entirely clear how much of this is sort of is sort of us covering the whole after the fact I was the only sane person in the room sort of thing that we, we do see people engage in, but I suppose it does speak to the mindset, I suppose. Well, yes, it speaks to the idea that maybe Infowars isn't about getting to the truth, Maybe InfoWars is more about generating ad revenue from a particular part of the population who wants to hear particular types of stories. Mm. Now, now, we come to the Trump portion. So I think we can probably say that the Trumpatorium is, is dead for the, for is the it? time for being. For the time being, especially given the news today that there's actually going to be an impeachment trial. Mm. Yes, things are significant and significantly conspiratorial that we really don't have an excuse for not talking about it. Uh, so we have a new segment with, I understand, a new sting? We do. So we're going to play that sting right about now. And I want you all to know that we are fighting the fake news. I think that was quite a pleasant sting, wasn't it? I'm going to assume it was. Yes, yes. I mean, what, were, what was the best bit about the sting? Oh, it's, it's audio qualities, I would have to say. It's the fact, true. The fact it that it could have. be hear, heard with the human ear, consisted of, of sound wave vibrations at a frequency and amplitude that the, the, the human brain was capable of processing, all that stuff, you know? Please, please, please continue. And, and I also liked the good bits. <laughs> the good bits, such as? didn't like the bad bits. Did you like the bit with Ted Danson? Sure. And what about the unicorn? It, it, it brought a delightful flavour to the proceedings. You don't think that it was kind of overstated? Mm, yes. Uh, now, one final question. What is the ultimate answer to life, the universe, and everything? We all know that's 42. Why, why are you forcing me to make such a... Because I want you to talk about the insurance policy. Okay, right. So this, this actually, for all the talk of impeachment and, and proceedings and all that, have you, this, is a, this is a little bit different, but it's worth mentioning because it's uh, a conspiracy theory that Trump and his supporters have been promoting and one that Trump himself has has tweeted out a little bit, which is the insurance policy conspiracy theory. And this is the theory which goes that 
the the whole the whole DNC email hack in the lead up to the 2016 election. This theory says that the Democrats themselves were responsible for that. They they called in people from Ukraine, I think it was, to hack themselves as an insurance policy because obviously this is before the election and any election results. So the so the idea was the whole thing happened so that in the case that Hillary Clinton didn't win the election, they could say, oh look, but we got hacked. There was collusion, and therefore the the election result is is uh, is not legitimate and so on and so forth. Now, there's no evidence for this in any way at all, but this appears to be how they're trying to write off the um, the whole email hack. And Russian it kind of does business. fit into Trump's claim that this is an illegitimate witch hunt and no president has ever been persecuted in the same way whatsoever, apart from <laughs> Bill Clinton and <laughs> Richard Nixon. Mm. Yes, okay, so impeachment, impeach away. Okay, so prior to today... All of this was talk behind closed doors about corrupt practices, about Trump and basically the Ukraine. Now, amongst the things that Trump has claimed to world leaders, he recently told Vladimir Putin he wasn't perturbed by Russian interference in the US elections, as the US medals in other nations' elections as well, which is kind of true, but it's also not the kind of thing you're ever actually meant to say out loud especially to a leader of a foreign power that engages in meddling itself. Mm. You're meant to keep the quiet part quiet, not the quiet part loud. He's also been claiming that Adam Schiff, head of the House Intelligence Committee, helped author the whistleblower's complaint that actually led to the initial inquiry and investigation into possible impeachment, and there is no evidence that Adam Schiff helped author the complaint. It is true that Adam Schiff met with the complainant before the complaint was made, but that is fairly standard because whistleblowers often meet with members of Congress to work out how to deliver their their whistle blowing in such a way that they cannot be targeted by the people they're whistleblowing against. Mm. And the investigation has gone. So if, if you've been paying attention, you'll probably know that we've heard from the likes of Bill Taylor, acting US ambassador to Kiev, uh, or to Ukraine, I suppose. He would have been in Kiev. Um, so he, he's talked about the, the, the wacky, the, the, the slightly dodgy dealings that the US um, had with Ukraine. We've heard from Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman, who is a top Ukrainian expert. Now, he's the one, uh, he's the one who uh, Fox News and the like have been trying to sort of insinuate with some sort of a foreign agent, haven't they? He's a decorated US soldier. With a purple heart. With a purple heart, um, who nevertheless has sort of Ukrainian heritage. And they've, so, so there's been a lot of eyebrow waggling and, and oh, he loves his, loves Ukraine, does he, eh? Very, very interested in them. Hmm? So he, he has been saying equally damning things. He was supposedly in the room or at least listening in. He, to yeah, the, he was the, one of the people listening in on the call because he's a Ukrainian expert. Yeah. So was basically listening in for the purposes of helping the government. And he has said that the transcript and the memos released by the White House about this call are incomplete and miss out important phrases and terms used by Trump to the president of the Ukraine. So his claim is that it was quite obviously a quid quo pro phone call, and the White House has tried to downplay that by making the transcript and memo look more innocuous than it actually is. Mm. And even then it wasn't really that innocuous. No, that's the thing. If the transcript is not as bad as the original call... That's pretty disturbing. Mm. Uh, meanwhile, the, the the White House apparently said they're not going to comply with the impeachment inquiry, saying it's trying to overturn the election. Sorry, the impeachment investigation. Investigation. What's the difference? Well, now there's going to be a formal impeachment oh, okay, right. inquiry. So the inquiry the is what House, came beforehand. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the White House will find it much harder to resist it because it has actually gone through a legal process in Congress. Although mm. they are claiming it's illegal, but more about that in just a minute. Mm. Yes, so what have we got... Um, they didn't allow the US's EU ambassador uh, to testify of the contents of the Ukraine call. Rudy Giuliani and his buddies have said they'll ignore any subpoenas in the inquiry. I wonder um, 
wonder how far that will get them. Well, given that three of them have been arrested, two forcibly so, one actually handed himself in in New York because he was aware there was a warrant out. Uh, So we're talking about people like Lev Parnas, Igor Fruman, and David Correa, who have all been involved in various committees to help elect Donald Trump and have been channeling large amounts of money into pro-Trump action committees from someone known as Foreign National Number 1. But it seems quite clear that Foreign National Number 1 is a Ukrainian government official. Mm. Uh, it also seems like old, old John Bolton sounded the alarm on Giuliani, which I've, I've heard some people saying, should have given him his war, dude. Dude wanted a war in Iraq, but instead you gave him the boot. So this is one of these tricky things where... John Bolton's a bad person. He does not see. He really wanted a war, didn't he? And yet, it does seem that John Bolton's kind of the hero of our time well, because John Bolton looked at what Rudy Giuliani was doing in the Ukraine and went, "Yeah, even I have standards. I'm not going to lie to get into this particular stuff." Now, this doesn't make John Bolton a friend, but when an enemy of your enemy harms your other enemy. You can't help but go. Works keep out going. for us. Keep yeah. going. Yeah. Um, so, and, the, and it just keeps going. God, these notes, they just don't end. Well, I We've mean, got... the important part now is that the Department of Justice is now investigating the Mueller investigation. Mm-hmm. So, Attorney Barr has bade the Department of Justice to investigate whether the Department of Justice actually committed a crime by investigating Donald Trump in the first place with regard to the Mueller investigation. So the DOJ is investigating itself, which is kind of hilarious, but that's also hilarious for the sheer fact that Donald Trump has persuaded Australian Prime Minister as far as, as, we're far as we know, at time of recording. Because they do change a lot. Mm. Scott Morrison to investigate itself as part of the investigation into the Mueller inquiry. Because, of course, it turns out the person who started the investigation was Australia's foreign diplomat, Alexander Downer, who was in London at the time, met up with George Papadopoulos at a some kind of formal do in London. Papadopoulos was the person who claimed, we have the democratic emails. Downer went, that seems like the kind of thing I should probably inform the FBI about. Downer going to the FBI was what revealed the DNC hack. The DNC hack, of course, then led to the claims about Russia. And now the DOJ is investigating those claims and getting Australia to be complicit in those claims by getting Australia to investigate one of its senior diplomats. Mm. Um, but there's still more, still more to go around because Italy... They've got Italy in on the act as well. Yes, although Italy has managed to sidestep this. So, Attorney General William Barr visited Italy twice in the last year to meet with intelligence agencies to ask them to clarify their role in a 2016 meeting between Joseph Mifsud, a Maltese professor, and George Papadopoulos at the Link campus in Rome. Now, top is angered. Mufsud, to, I wish I knew how to pronounce Mufsud, that. Mufsud, I don't yeah, know. Told Papadopoulos that Russia had obtained damaging information about Hillary Clinton. Now, that must be the. Oh, right. All right. No, actually, no, I am right. So, Mufsud was the person who told Papadopoulos that Russia had obtained damaging information about Clinton. Papadopoulos told then Downer. Then told Downer, and the rest is history. Trump claims that Mufsud is not a professor with links to Russia, but rather a Western intelligent asset working for Obama as part of a plot to spy on the Trump campaign in 2016. Right. Any any proof for that at all? No, and in fact, actually, the Italians have claimed that A... We're not involved in this, and B, this is nonsense. Mm-hmm. But William Barr has gone to Italy twice to chase this up, almost as if he's doing the president's bidding and not being an independent member of the third branch of government. But that's another matter of time. That, yeah. And finally, and I'm pretty sure we've talked about this in Patreon 
episodes as well, isn't it? The CrowdStrike thing. Uh, CrowdStrike are the private company that did the analysis of the DNC's servers after the, the email hack in 2016, and they were kind of the ones who reported back that it looks like Russia did it, uh, which is now a consensus, as I understand it, among intelligence agencies. Um, and so, yeah, Trump, Trump and co have been going at CrowdStrike a bit uh, and, and, and trying to link it to Ukraine as well, which, of course, then brings in the whole Biden, Hunter Biden, Bizzo. Um, so Trump at one point said uh, CrowdStrike was owned by a very rich Ukrainian, which apparently it is not at all, um, and, and trying to claim it was some sort of Ukrainian thing. And so then this kind of ties back in quite a nice way to what we talked about right at the beginning of the Trump, uh, Trump section, this insurance theory policy that it was Ukraine and the Democrats cooking up a thing to hack their own email server to give themselves uh, an excuse to if, if, if they happen to lose. Yeah. The wheel has come full circle. It really has. Mm. And that's basically all the Trump news we've got. And as you can see, there's quite a lot of it. Mm. It's kind of scattered because there are a lot of different avenues. We have to hope that the announcement today, that there is actually going to be a formal impeachment against Donald Trump. Now, whether that's successful is another matter entirely. Mm. But Congress has started the process. There will be public hearings now investigating exactly what Trump did with the Ukraine, etc., etc. And I'm sure the President of the United States of America will treat this as soberly and seriously as it deserves. I don't doubt it in the slightest. It's already crying treason. Mm. Now, I haven't actually been paying attention to how long we've been recording for, but I assume we've got time for just a couple more updates of older stories. A very quick update after the update sting. Updates. And retractions. So it's time for an update on Sandy, Sandy Hook and yes. the Sandy Hook trial, which I believe has just come to a rather interesting mm. conclusion. Yes, so Lenny Posner, who you may recall, is the father of a child who was killed in the fam uh, Sandy uh, Hook shootings. Um, he has been awarded $450,000 by a jury in Wisconsin after suing uh, James Fetzer and Mike Palachek over their book Nobody Died at Sandy Hook. A terrible, terrible volume. I have read it. Yes, apparently. It gets, manages to work a bit of good old-fashioned anti-Semitism in with the whole false flag business Believe as well, me, from what it, I understand. It, it mixes a lot of things in. Yeah. Now, Palachek, the second co-author, actually settled out of court, but Fetzer decided to go all the way and has kind of suffered because of it. Although, mm. as is classic in all American lit litigation stories, Fetzer is going to appeal. Yes, I mean, it was all along the lines of... Um that the, their books, the book's publication caused real-world consequences for Mr. Posner. Harassment gave him PTSD. He he gave examples of these uh, death threats and so on he received, um, and basically afterwards gave gave a fairly good um, account of it not being a free speech issue. Uh, he said, quoting. Mr. Fetzer has the right to believe that Sandy Hook never happened. He has the right to express his ignorance. But this award illustrates the difference between the right of people like Mr. Fetzer to be wrong and the right of victims like myself and my child to be free from defamation, free from harassment, and free from the intentional infliction of terror. Nice one. Mm. And finally, a good old, good old Epstein update. Hadn't forgotten about him. So, Josh. Mm. Did Epstein commit suicide? Well, that's the thing. So according to New York City Chief Medical Examiner Dr. Barbara Sampson, uh, she's the one who performed the autopsy on him and came back with the uh, finding that he had indeed committed suicide. Uh, however, former New York City Medical Examiner Dr. Michael Baden, um, having looked at the autopsy results, reckons he, he sees indications in there that it's more likely to have been a, a homicidal strangulation and it's the that good that good old hyoid bone i don't know i don't know what a hyoid, hyoid bone is but i've seen enough csi to know that, that that supposedly a fracture of the hyoid bone is what you see in strangulations more than yes because i believe it's one of those things where it's possible for it to break from a hanging but it requires a certain amount of force around the neck that it's more likely to break from strangulation. Mm. But that's the thing. More likely to break yep. from strangulation does mean it sometimes does break from suicide. 
which means it's not a deci- it's not a obvious deciding factor between suicide and mm. murder. Yeah, so uh, Dr. Baden basically said the, the various fractures around Epstein's larynx, as well as hemorrhages in his eyes, he, he thought were more consistent uh, with a murder than a suicide. But um, Dr. Sampson has said she stands firmly behind her findings and basically sort of says this... You, when, when you look at an autopsy, you have to look at the whole thing. And this, this thing that you kind of see in, in the, the, the CSI thing, the thing you see in television of, of finding the one little detail which sort of shows, oh, no, it blows the whole case open. She's like, no, you, don't, you can't just look at a little detail. You have to look at everything in the context of the whole thing. And in the context of the whole thing, she still thinks it's, it is much more likely that he committed suicide. So, Which, as we've said when we've talked about Epstein, doesn't mean there was no conspiracy to get him killed. It's entirely possible people could have put him in a situation where he was likely to kill himself. Or quite deliberately not checked up Mm. on him for quite some time. Because if you're feeling a bit suicidal, I'll talk to you in three hours' time rather than half an hour. So it's not like this puts paid to all conspiracy theories, just possibly some of them. Although, of course, if you accept that Michael Baden's uh, Mm. testimony is greater than that Oh, Dr. Sampson. That's the one. I was reading through the notes there to get to that name. Unhelpfully, it's at the very end of the notes yes. rather than at the very beginning. Uh, then you might go, well, he's a man. We should listen to a man's voice on Epstein. Yes. We shouldn't. No, That's we sexism. No, listen to. Actually, I mean, one thing which wasn't clear from the news story was whether he had just looked at the report or whether he'd actually been there at the time, or how detailed were the I, notes he was looking at. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure that myself. I, I had assumed he was looking at the published findings. I didn't think there, there was any um, implication that he had actually been involved in the autopsy himself. He was just reinterpreting the results uh, as, as they had been presented. Anyway, mm. I suspect there'll be more on this in time to come, but not tonight. Not tonight. Because with this Halloween episode over and done with, we'll be recording a patron special. Now, Joshua, we have an exciting topic for our patrons this week, don't we? we? What is it? It is the Securitate of Romania. It is indeed. We'll be talking about the Romanian secret police during the communist period and what happened after the December 1989 revolution. Which could be a little bit Halloween-y. It's sort of, sort of Transylvanian. That's yeah. just racist. Yeah, but, but, but it's, it's Halloween racism, which is okay somehow. You're the kind of person who confuses Frankenstein with Frankenstein's monster. No, that's not true. As we all know, the, the, the real monster is the person making the pedantic distinction between Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster. I'll see you in hell. But I won't see you in hell. I'll see you next week. Yes. Goodbye. Toodle pip. You've been listening to the podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, starring Josh Addison and Dr. M.R. Extenter, which is written, researched, recorded, and produced by Josh and M. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron via its Podbean or Patreon campaigns. And if you need to get in contact with either Josh or M, you can email them at podcastconspiracy at gmail.com or check their Twitter accounts, Monkey Fluids and Conspiracism. Truth is out there, but not quite where you think you left it.